HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Castor and Pollux, maker of America's number one organic pet food, Organics. Look for their newest line, Pristine, the only complete line of pet food made with responsibly sourced ingredients. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org slash pets. Hello and welcome to Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday from roughly 12 to roughly 12.45 from Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Joined as usual with Nastasia the Hammer Lopez. How you doing, Nastasia? Good. Got Dave in the booth. Yo. Special guest, Don, the evil cocktail overlord Lee. How you doing? Doing well. Yeah. I'm going to stop fighting the evil. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, well, well, you know, I mean, come on. Let's face it. Like, you picked an outfit to reconstruct from Star Wars stuff, and it was a Stormtrooper outfit. Yeah. Bad guys doing good. 501. What do you mean bad guys doing good? What does that mean? Uh, The 501st, uh, the Imperial Legion, uh, Vader's Fist. We do uh, charity work for children's hospitals. Raise money for children's hospitals, visit sick kids. It's bad guys doing good. But there was no actual bad guy doing good in the movies. This is not canon, in other words. Well, you know, Han Solo was kind of a, you know, a true neutral... Uh, chaotic good. Yes, we all know he shot first. We all know he shot first. That's true. Oh, I don't wow. think we can use that. Uh, I think if it's only like if it's less than a certain amount, or if you're um, if it's clearly for other intent, you can do it. The party noise you hear in the background is in fact a party. We have nothing to do with it, and we can't uh, neutralize it out because uh, we never spent the money on thick enough glass. Am I right there, Dave? That's right. Yeah. 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 Well, cooking issues, uh, listeners, feel free to donate at heritageradionetwork.org/slash/donate. And do they get to say we want thicker glass? Yeah, you can put it. Uh, we'll, we'll inscribe your name into it. <laughs> uh, all right. So, uh, Dave, anything good happened this week? Anything good? Anything bad? Food related? Not. Mm, drawing a blank. Wow. All right. Stuff. I saw you last night. That was not food related. Yeah. Anyway, call in your questions to seven one eight four nine eight seven one eight four nine seven two one two eight. That's seven one eight four nine seven two one two eight. Let's start with a uh, Spins All update. So uh, if you are somehow listening to this podcast by accident or, uh, you know, I don't know, you thought you were tuning in to Pod Save America or This American Life or something like that and you got us instead, 
uh, or you know, if this is your first time, the Spinzol is the centrifuge that Nastasia and I are making and trying to um, sell to people so that they can use all the cool centrifuge tricks, uh, you know, at their restaurant, their bar, and their home, should they so choose. So, uh, update, uh, Nastasia and I wish that we could fly like an eagle uh, over the sea to Hong Kong and completely choke the life out of the people who are supposed to be shipping you your units. The vast majority of you in the United States have received your uh, units, and uh, with and we're sorry, Matt and Mystic. We, yeah. Oh, huh, nice. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Nastasia Lopez, by the way, is like Steve Miller. Who's that? What did he do? What did he do? He's never had any hits. My dad claims to have smoked pot with him. Yeah, I hear he's an okay guy. Yeah, sounds like it. Like for instance, uh, he didn't rip off the uh, big old jet airliner guy, you know, because he didn't write that song, and so he ended up paying the writer of that song royalties, and apparently it was the only thing that kept that that guy, you know, like basically sustained that guy because he wasn't famous as Steve Miller was. Anywho, you didn't pull a Paul Simon on the guy. Whoa, what did Paul Simon do? Are we talking about the senator or the musician? The musician. What did the musician do? Isn't he notorious for ripping off artists, other artists? I don't know. Is that what Garfunkel says? Isn't that like what Graceland was, basically? A big ripoff? What, culturally a ripoff or actually ripping off songs? Like not paying the musicians who contributed to that. Oh, but who, like Lady Smith, Black Mombasa? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know anything about the history Look it of up, that. David Weller. <laughs> yeah, I'll get right on that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, somebody asked uh, about the chat room, so why don't you tell them how to find the chat room? Uh, if you go to heritageradionetwork.org and listen live, uh, I think actually also, though, you need to sign up for a Mixler account. That's M-I-X-L-R. That's what we use to stream. What the hell is that? Is that one of those Fred Flintstone characters? Is that that little guy that flew above your head in Fred Flintstone? No. Um, so... The well, who's that guy? You know what I'm talking about? The green it's, uh, dude? It's the great gazoo or something. It's an like alien. Yeah. Mixy Plizik or something like this. Anyways, so uh, all, everyone in the United States has a valid tracking number except our good friend, radio show listener, Matt from Mystic. And I don't know why, uh, Matt, we're working on it. And I literally asked for the guy's number. And your unit is sitting in Carson City, California. I got from FedEx the name of the company that is theoretically the shipper, but here's what they did. They didn't give their name as an actual name that's searchable on Google. I searched every variant of their company name in Carson City on Google. I called a few companies that aren't the correct company to see whether they were the correct company in disguise as that company to see if I could find the person that has your unit, and I was unsuccessful. Isn't that uh, Carson City, Nevada? Carson City, California. It's a suburb of, or Carson, California. It's Carson. A, it's, it's a suburb of L.A. Oh. Yes. Any Carson, Carson and yeah, whatever. So then, uh, okay. So that's that's the U.S. So Matt, if we can't find that thing, we'll ship you one as soon as we get stock, which should be fairly soon. I apologize. Uh, we have the block of tracking numbers from these idiots. In so everyone in the rest of the world, your units are in your respective countries, and now we're beating on their their heads via email, unfortunately not in person, to get them into the hands of the final delivery people. So I have tracking numbers which we'll send out, but they haven't picked up uh, yet but for um, uh, Canada, for uh, EU. I have some from Australia, but not. For, and we're trying to figure out why we don't have all of the ones from Australia and the rest of Asia. So we're working hard, people. We're sorry for the delays. Uh, we spent like you know, we thought we were like paying for a premium service to get you your units, and we're, uh, as Wes- Wesley Willis would say, I'm unhappy with it, and it pissed me off. 
That's what he would say for those of you who are Wesley Willis fans. Dave, you a Wesley Willis fan? Uh, I listened to him in college. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's he's straight to the point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what was I can't read that far. What's that guy's name? Great Kazoo. Great Kazoo. Don with the knowledge. All right. So uh, also on spins all before we get into other stuff. Uh, uh, if you have a spins all, if you've received a spins all and it is vibrating, uh, it's not supposed to vibrate. And so, like, we might have to uh, get you a new rotor. When we get new rotors in stock, we're not sure. Contact Matthew, spelled like Matthew, at bookeranddax.com. Don't forget the two Ds because it's and dax. Bookeranddax.com. Don't use an ampersand. That'll get lost. If you use an ampersand, it's going to go, it's going to think you put a space or some crap in there and it's going to like, you know, hose you. You'll be gone. You're not concatenating the words Booker and Dax. It is B-O-O-K-E-R-A-N-D-D-A-X.com. Matthew at Bookerandax.com and we can troubleshoot you through it. Roughly speaking, if you download uh, Decibel Ultra, which is a free uh, decibel meter on your iPhone, should you use an iPhone? I'm sure there's an Android equivalent if you're an Android-y kind of a person. Uh, at one meter's distance, running with a full spinzol with 480 mils of water in it with the uh, cap on it, uh, once it reaches full speed, it should be running in the mid-60s somewhere, uh, DBA, and it shouldn't spike above 71 or so as it's coming up to speed uh, at one meter. So contact us, uh, and we'll work on it, because if it vibrates too much, it's not going to clarify uh properly so we want to know if you have one that it, you know isn't up to your snuff and we're going to take care of it because we want you to have a good thing now that said also we had i'd say a you know a mediocre review in uh wired uh wired web what do you call a magazine it's not a magazine online online yeah wired online uh which is funny not wired like literally not wired right i mean like who has wired anymore like what like wi wired magazine but you're not a wired person I'm completely wired. You're wireless. I'm wireless when I'm not connected to something, but at home, everything is LAN cables. Really? It's much faster. Yeah, yeah, we're wired in here, actually. Yeah, always so, wired. All right, all right. So I stand corrected. I stand corrected. I didn't realize I was working with a bunch of freaking moron Luddites, is what I didn't realize. It's faster. Faster, faster. on what? Faster for what? What is it that you're doing that is actually faster? Streaming wired? this show. Yeah. yeah okay, look, <laughs> streaming, is, streaming is one thing, right? Like, honestly, I appreciate that because you're streaming out. But for the average knucklehead, right, once you can stream, once your Netflix doesn't glitch anymore when you're going over your uh, wireless router, what's really the point? Uh, it's called uh, up and down speeds because if you're playing something on like a video game, you need to have both, you know, high bandwidth going up and down. Guys, you freaking guys. <laughs> you freaking guys. Anyways. Anyways. Of all people, I would think you would be able to appreciate yeah. this, Dave. Plus, of all people, I'm married to an architect who doesn't appreciate freaking wires going everywhere, and it's like super expensive to route a boat ton of uh, Cat 6 through your house, unless you want it stapled to the outside of your wall. And again, it, that might be okay, you know, if you never invite anyone over or you don't, like, have friends or relatives who are architects. But in general, like, stapling a bunch of Cat 6 everywhere isn't, like, a valid option for me. Okay. All right. 
So you're cheap is what you're saying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, well, also, if she's an architect, can't she come up with an elegant solution to this problem? There is none. The elegant solution is to spend an ungodly amount of money to cut holes. Now, if, you, if you're building a new building, sure, run cat sticks everywhere, everywhere. But let's say you live in an apartment building in New York City. Let's say the walls are made out of gypsum block and concrete, right? Then now you have to route holes through that. Or you could do a BS solution. You can buy this fake molding, and the fake molding pretends. But now you have some sort of like weird fake molding in your otherwise modern apartment that you're hiding your Cat 6 under. And then what? It goes up from the... There actually is an interesting solution, Dave. I'm glad you asked. There is a... It's not, I don't think, 100% code everywhere, but there's what's called flat cable now that is like like literally sheetrock tapable over. It's like hyper flat and wide. And so you, you adhere it to your wall and then you run uh, a thing of a drywall um, joint compound over it, feather it in, and you can paint right over it. And apparently it works okay for like TV. I don't know if it'll do data, uh, but it does power. I don't know if it'll do data. I don't know. I don't know. They say that you can do high voltage, but it might be kind of low voltage. Well, enough of this. Wire magazine. <laughs> Wire magazine is like. Uh, so they gave us a mediocre review, and what really pissed me off about it, I wasn't happy with it, and it pissed me off. And what it was especially was the dude used my own technique against me. First of all, I will say this, people: he should not buy one. He is not the customer, right? So he's like. And then, like, I read the first comment, and then I won't go back because it's crazy, right? The guy's like, the guy, so quick agar clarification, which, you know, that's me, right? So, like, he's like, I found on Dave Arnold's blog where Dave Arnold says you don't need a centrifuge. And go, okay, if you're going to do lime juice once a year, twice a year, three times a year, yeah, don't get a centrifuge to do that. But remember, if you're going to do agar clarification, you, minimum you're going to do 500, 600 milliliters of lime juice. It's a pain in the butt. It's like, uh, you know, it's, it's a hassle. It's finicky. Nastasia won't do it. She hates doing it. This other guy's like, uh, he's selling a centrifuge just so people won't get their hands dirty on some cheesecloth. First of all, cheesecloth, not cheesecloth. If anyone actually read my post on this subject, linen napkins, muslin, cotton, whatever, use, use your freaking bed sheets. But what you call cheesecloth, I'm sure what these home people are calling cheesecloth is that vile, evil gauze crap, which you cannot use under any circumstance. That aside... Using my own technique against me, galling. Then he's like, well, you can also make herb oil by just blend, blending herbs and letting it hang over. Sure, if you don't care about yield, if all you're trying to do is impress your family once by getting five drops of uh, oil and you don't care that it was hanging overnight and that it's contaminated with water and that you know it's been sitting in its own filth all night, like turning to garbage, and that you put in 200 mils of oil and only got 50 or 100 mils out, then by all means do it that way. You know what I mean? Then don't buy it. I'm not saying that everyone should buy this unit. I don't know. I was just, what do you think about it, Seth? I wasn't happy with it, and it pissed me off. Oh, nice. What is that? That's Wesley Willis in the his well-known song, My Keyboard Got Damaged. Yeah, yeah. I'm just surprised. I'm not surprised. It was the wife. It's not that like it so like wife. people. Some people like think that maybe the wife's not even real. That the wife is a, a fictive. But he's like our, our target customer, technically. Except for he doesn't feel a need to do this stuff. He's reviewed all kitchen products. Yeah, but he apparently doesn't feel a need to do the, what, what the spins all can do. I doesn't, think his wife poisoned him. Whatever. Also, good luck. Good luck using agar clarification on a Hustino. Good luck with that. Enjoy. Good luck with that one. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you want to make liquors, like Hustino-style liquors, and you want to use agar, eh, good luck. Uh, all right, so uh, uh, like, what do you think, Don? 
I think, you know, you're right. If you're not going to be the target market, you know, not the target consumer, if you're not going to make the things you want with it, why buy, why buy it, you know? That's right. If I only want to grill over charcoal, why would I buy an emergent circulator, right? That's right. And you know what the, the problem is, is that Nastasi and I made this error because what we thought was, hey, it is probable that our customer reads Wired, right? But what we didn't think was... Yeah, but not everyone who reads Wired is our customer, and maybe the person who's reviewing it's not going to be our customer. True. You know? They also, they must have made some sort of, like, error or something, because um, in batch, he said that it wasn't as clear. He must have been doing continuous mode, because in batch mode, it's every bit as clear, more clear, with much higher yields than in... Uh, in agar. Well, it's also questionable as to like what he was actually trying to clarify. If it was lime juice, right? We had that problem in Kansas City where they gave us some weird whack lime juice that would never separate. Right. So if he did not use fresh squeezed lime juice and did it exactly correctly, then you know he would have gotten a bad result. That's a good point, Don. You can't blame the centrifuge for that. That is a good point, Don. Someone gave us some effed up lime juice that wouldn't clarify under any circumstances. That's why you got to look for the break, people. If you don't see the break. It won't clarify. I had a good, like, Johnny Cochran saying for that at our last demo, Don. Do you remember what it was? Mm, mm. Don't remember. No. But if I go to uh, the Curtis Blow, these are the breaks. Ah, no. nice. Nice. Hey, you want to take a call? Yes, caller. You're on the air. Hey, Dave. It's uh, Chris from Green Zone in D.C. How you doing? Do you have your unit? Good, man. I got my spins on. I'm pretty happy. Um, although I haven't run it yet because I forgot to buy the Pexanex, which is on its way now. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so my, my question, I have two questions. One, do I need to add Pectinex to everything that I'm going to put in there? Define everything. So, like, for instance, like, uh, let's say, like, I know you're interested in uh, spices, right? So, like, uh, yeah. even, even though you're mainly doing cocktails, like, you know, I know, like, let's say you're doing, uh, I used to do a lot of um, spice oils, which suck to filter out. And those, you just, boom, run them through, and your oil gets clear as day, and the spice, like, packs itself into the thing. So if you're going to do, like, a, like curry oils or any kind of oil like that, like, it works fantastically without Pectinex. Obviously, like, herb oils, if you're going to make some of those and emulsify them in, those work uh, fine. Uh, also, bitters, like, settling the stuff out of bitters doesn't always require Pectinex, although if you're using, um, what's the word I'm looking for? If you're using, uh, uh, what the hell's wrong with my brain? Uh, citrus peels. Citrus peels throw pectin into your bitters, uh, and those need some pectinex to clear out properly. But if it's not a citrus-heavy uh, bitters, you can do bitters without it. Um, also, Moroccan preserved lemons, uh, well, that's not true because you want to hit it with pectinex to break it a little bit. But you actually don't want those 100% clear because if you fully clarify Moroccan preserved lemon, it, it loses kind of like a lot of its interest and you can't shake with it as well anymore. But you don't want like as much of the solids going in. So that's uh, see what else uh, is not a pectinex thing. Eh, coffee. Most percolations and fusions aren't don't require pectinex. Um, so things that don't have pectin, you're suggesting don't need pectinex. Wow, Don. That's very <laughs> concisely put. That's very um, concisely put. Okay, the other question I have is if I spin something that has sugar, like a cloudy liqueur, is the sugar going to precipitate out or will the sugar be present in a clarified liquid? Sugar will not, uh, sugar will not um, uh, leave. You'll still have the sugar. Now... 
if you if the sol- the solids will also retain some of the sugar because the solids also have the sugar. So like if you if you take a really sweet puree, right, both the solids from the puree and the liquids from the puree will be sweet. Um, but you know, but no, they, this sugar once once the sugar is in solution, it will never break something out of solution. But if it's I already think. precipitated out, you will separate it. Yes, if it's already precipitated out as a crystal, it will separate. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And um, what happens if you put in liquor over 40% ABV? It just won't clarify? Uh, you have an explosion hazard. So the what I did was is uh, I wrote the manual and all the recipes around um, the fact that I wanted the flash point of the uh, liquor to be well below... Um, room temperature right and so like if it's warm at all and it's higher proof and by the way it's usually not higher proof once it's um once it's uh you know you have your flavoring in it but i'm just what i'm mainly worried about is just um explosions i don't want there to be a lot of uh vapor and also yeah higher proof things you got to make sure you keep all the caps on and the lid and everything uh on the tube feeder so that you don't evaporate off your product yeah of course okay all right, sounds good. Thanks, man. All right. Thank you. All right, so the last thing I'll say about the Spinzol, I hope that uh, the shipping people get their fists uh, out of their butts. That's the only reason I can assume that this hasn't gone, is they've been spending their time seeing how far they can shove their fists up their rear ends instead of shipping uh, the products out, because there's nothing else. Family Although, show. What? Family show. I said rear end. I'm not, allowed to, I'm not even allowed to give that image. Yeah. That's how angry I am with them. Questions. Uh, These are from last week, right? You want to take another call real quick? Sure, caller, you're on the air. Hey, guys, this is Wes calling from Longview, Washington. I'm the guy whose kids like the blueberry soda. Oh, nice, nice. Um, Hey, so I'm about to start doing some sweet potatoes, or try to anyways, and some nut milk and stuff. But um, if I am, I am a brewer as well, and if I I have normal brewing amylase at home, is that not fancy enough? Do I need fancier amylase? Uh, I've only ever used really fancy amylases, and I use kind of like a shotgun mix of them because, remember, like, I'm using distiller stuff and not brewer stuff. So, you know, in a brewer stuff, um, is like slightly different in a, in a, in a, in a distiller's amylases, they have amylases that are meant to break down the initial slarch story that, uh, they're like thinning, they're like thinning agents, and then they have, uh, after that, so af- and those are usually added during the cook of the starch, uh, mm-hmm. so that they get a thin slurry. And then afterwards, they add a um, they add a, like a like a sacrification one, which is probably closer to the one that's in the brewer stuff, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, your issue is just going to be making sure that you get the viscosity kind of low enough and the pre-break on it, so that it can then uh, break it down. I mean, I'm not saying it won't work, but I work. You know, I use these ones that are basically meant to just convert potatoes into vodka. Um, and sure. I don't use them in the correct way, though, because I'll pre-cook the potatoes or whatever, uh, and then sweet potatoes, and then I'll spin them, I'll let them cool a little bit, I'll spin them with the enzymes, add a little bit of water, and then uh, spin it out. Now, you'll know if it worked, because if the juice is clear, then you converted all the starch. If the juice is not clear, then you didn't convert all the starch. But Pectinex plus the starch breakdown enzyme uh, if you can get any liquid out of it at all, whether the liquid's clear or not, the liquid might not be as interesting, but that puree is ridiculous, and you've, de- okay. and you've dewatered the puree, so you get this kind of like super dense, super smooth 
uh, puree that you really can't get anywhere else. But I'd appreciate it if you try it with like you know standard homebrew enzyme. Um, let me know whether it works because the problem is is that. Uh, to get Monitor's Pantry to carry it, they'd have to order three different enzymes in pails, batch those liquids together, and then have a big enough market to sell out. And so I just don't think we're kind of mm-hmm. – I haven't come up with enough killer apps for it yet that they're, they really want to take that on at this point, which is not saying that they won't in the future. But let me know if, like, homebrew enzymes work on it. I'll try. Because, you know, Kenji also has that, like, do the sous vide hold thing to do with some of the self-amylase stuff. So I wonder if some combination of that plus brewer's enzyme – have you ever had much luck with that? I mean, I've used to do like pre-cooks on a lot of stuff. The issue with the issue with using endogenous enzymes in general. So like some of the endogenous enzymes that people are interested in using are pectin methylesterase, which is like if you ever are familiar with the um, the Steingarten. The Steingarten, yes. The Steingarten potatoes, which were then taken on by like Joel Robuchon and Wiley and Heston Blumenthal and all that. Uh, you know, you need to hit to a you need to make it to a certain temperature because a lot of the enzymes that are endogenous enzymes in are only really available when there is some sort of cellular damage. And then the problem yeah. is is that then you're riding the line between where the enzymes are denatured and where they're just unavailable to their substrates. Um, so, you know, I don't really know how – you know what gets sweeter? What gets a, t- a boat ton sweeter? Carrots. Like if you put carrots in a, in a bag – and cook them for a long, long time at a low temperature, like in the 50s, they turn bright orange and they get really sweet but stay crunchy. They're weird. Mm. Um, but also remember, carrots are high in calcium. I don't know whether – I don't know I don't know what – well, calcium would be more for pectin methylesterase, not for the uh, amylase enzymes. So the answer is I don't know. I mean okay. Uh, okay. everything has endogenous enzymes in it, but typically not enough. Otherwise, when you cook sweet potatoes naturally slow, they would that would happen to them, and they don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, if you cook things for a literally, literally long, well, no, a long time, I don't know if starch is going to break down that well. Like, inulin breaks down very well when you cook it for a long period of time. That's why if you long cook a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, a sun choke, it's not as farty as if you uh, slow cook uh, an artichoke. And I don't know if anyone's done tests on pressure cooking starches to see whether, but I don't, th- I don't think the starches break down in the same way inulin does. I mean, I have to run, and you need to break them down pretty well in order, in order to spin them out. And then any knee tricks, I'm going to do some nut milks tonight, too. Just blend them with some water and spin them. Yeah, the problem with nut milks is what, you're, what you want to do is try to keep the uh, volume of nuts about the same uh, like, uh, as the volume of the spinzol itself because you just want to retain the solids. You're basically using the spinzol as a nut milk bag and then percolating the liquid through it a couple of times, almost similar to the way coffee is. So you're going to want to oh, okay. use a – if you want your yield to be reasonable, you're going to need to use a fairly high uh, volume of nuts and then just pass as much liquid through as, as you want. It, I don't know that it's as – this is why I haven't pushed nut milk as much as other techniques because I don't know that it's as efficient. I've gotten incredibly delicious results out of it. But uh, remember, the first liquids you push out are going to be really watery because in general, nut milks, you're meant to pass a lot of solids. It's meant to retain solids. Solids. If I spin all of the solids out, then it's nut water, which nobody wants nut water. You want like nut milk. And so what you want to do is is force the lighter stuff out by like recirculating the liquid through a couple of times and keep the heavier solids in so that you still have a nice rich thing. It's all about getting the volume of the um, the volume of the rotor fairly full with the nuts. Hmm. Okay. These nuts. Yes, yeah, so let me know how it works. All right, cool, thanks. All right, cool. 
Hey, you want to take the break real quick and then we'll come back? All right. Take a break. Be right back more with more cooking issues. is brought to you by Castor and Pollux, maker of America's number one organic pet food, Organics. You put a lot of care and thought into what you eat. After all, you're a food radio listener. That thoughtfulness goes hand in paw with how you feed your pets. Purposeful pet food doesn't happen by accident. Castor and Pollock scours the earth to carefully select the best organic and responsibly sourced ingredients. New Pristine from Castor and Pollock is the only complete line of pet food made with ingredients that are responsibly raised, caught, or grown. Feed your dog or cat the new standard, like grass-fed beef, wild-caught fish, and vegetables grown without synthetic fertilizers or chemical pesticides. Pristine from Castor and Pollock. Purposeful pet food. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org slash pets. And we're back. Timothy, uh, Timothy wrote in about minerals. Hey, Nastasia, I'm 29, married, common law, male. Uh, partner said I could buy a Spinzol, but I decided I'd rather spend the money on cheese. Mm. Can't argue with that. I like cheese. Mm. Cheese is delicious. You could uh, make cheese. Uh, could you? Well, you could make curds, but you could also just drain curds. It's true. Yeah. Um, could Dave talk a bit about adding minerals to water before carbonating? I ordered all the minerals the Kaimos guy talks about. You should also look at uh, Art of the Drink, Darcy's uh, website, because he was the first guy that really... Like Kaimos, a lot of what Kaimos, which I love, Martin Lerish, is uh, he does a lot of aggregating, but like a lot of that original research was... Uh, uh, well, not original. I guess a lot of the bringing back of that information was by Darcy. His book that you can still purchase is called Fix the Pumps, correct? Yep. Fix the Pumps. Uh, I incorrectly quoted it in a recently something else doing to the pumps, but it's fixed the pumps. Uh, and uh, he gives a lot of recipes for um, minerals. Uh, anyway, I ordered all the minerals from, uh, the guy most guy, guy most guy talks about. His name is Martin. Uh, and followed his calculator after inputting what's already in my water based on some municipal website that I found. But I'm having trouble getting the additions to fully dissolve. I bet you are. I'm curious, too, if there are some flavor slash experimental uh, experiential descriptions of the various possible additions uh, Dave could offer. I, I, I like real salty water. So if he could offer a recipe or something that would be amazing. Uh, but perhaps I'm pushing my luck. Best Timothy. All right. So, um. I have never had any luck with those uh, with those recipes, really. And uh, to be honest, I've only really tried um, mimicking the hardcore waters like Apollinaris or Gerolsteiner or these things like this. Nastasia hated them all. She hated them all, yep. right? Uh, the issue is is that most of those heavily mineralized uh, mineralized waters are produced at great depths, traveling through rocks under pressure with or without uh, carbon dioxide, and so uh, like solubilizing them in those situations is a different story from trying to add minerals. Now, a lot of the times what you can do to get them to solubilize properly is I would read um, Darcy's website on it and read uh, – I think there is a whole section on this in Fix the Pumps, right? Yeah, there is a section on that. Yeah. And he's pretty active online too. If you message him, he'll probably get back to you. Yeah. He, there's specific orders you need to add things in so that stuff doesn't precipitate out and you need to – keep it fundamentally you need to keep the thing under pressure with co2 while you're doing it because you need both the pressure and the acidity to uh to get the um to get all that stuff in solution especially like the carbonates and all that kind of stuff so i mean that's really the the challenge most people when they're doing club soda really just add a pinch of bicarb to it is what they're doing they're adding like sodium bicarbonate or something to it and even Nastasia likes although she says she hates it 
she buys the water where that's all they've done, that alkaline water where they're just basically doping it with a little bit of baking soda. Nastasia loves a gimmick. Could you make a, uh, like a higher concentration solution dissolved in something else and then add it already pre-dissolved? Well, a lot of this stuff is in there like, close to its solubility limit anyway, and then they kind of mutually precipitate. I mean, like, the real issue is, you know, is this a, it was, you know if, if it was made by nature, it was, you know... And it's hard to get them exactly right. First of all, if you look at the actual compositions of these waters, like Don, you and I have looked at the actual compositions of the waters at like Saratoga, and they're much more complicated. Like, and you know, I've read some papers that you know, like some of these trace trace things, like strontium. Yeah, they have a taste. You know, like, but who the hell knows what that is? I certainly don't. You know what I mean? I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. I just know that that water tastes different. You know what I mean? Mm, anyway. Stronti. Stranti, Stranti. I don't know that Strontium has a taste, but I know Strontium's in the water that I, that Don and I have been looking at. Uh, okay. You want to take a call? Sure. Call her. You're on the air. Hey, uh, this is this is the other John Stewart out in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, How you doing? Met you, met you guys out here when you're out for the Johnny Hunter moped uh, thing. Um, gave you and Nastasia and Peter a ride home to your uh, to your uh, oh, yeah. bed and breakfast at late late in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Um, so got the spins all, got the CO2 rig. I'm geeking out on all that now. So definitely have some questions around that. Um, and I will say on that whole agar agar thing. I mean, yeah, sure that works, but you know. I want instant gratification, damn it. I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait to freeze the damn thing and all that. It's so much easier in the spins off for sure. Sure, yeah, and even even like freeze, like I say, even like quick, where you're just doing it and breaking it is messy. It's finicky. Oh yeah, it's pain, pain in the butt. Yeah. So I want a couple things about that. So one thing is, you know, I'm going to be doing some, um, you know, now that I've got it, I'm going to be doing some cocktail, carbonated cocktails. One of the things um, I know you're a, you're a diet soda drinker, but you know, all of your recipes are, um, you know, simple syrup. I wonder if there's any, I know with a shaken cocktail, you have to worry about the texture, the, the sugar, dissolved sugars affecting it. But in a carbonated cocktail, is there any effect to worry about? Can I just substitute Splenda and the equivalent amount of, um, you know, water to make up, or, or I guess just Splenda to make up for the sugar content? Um, I would not. And also, can you talk briefly about um, how... How long these fruit juices last once they're clarified? It seems like uh, definitely the lime juice didn't last at all longer than a regular squeezed lime juice would. And but it seems like that the grapefruit juice would last longer. I mean, I get a carton of grapefruit, grapefruit juice from the grocery store and it sits in my fridge for you know a couple of weeks, fine. So yeah, can you talk about the age and, and how how long we can use this stuff? Okay, some people are more sensitive to grapefruit aging than others. I am not that sensitive to it. So especially once it's clarified and like a lot of the naringin is taken out of it, like. Grapefruit juice does last for at least several days in peak condition um, in the in the fridge once it's clarified. Orange juice, like I actually enjoy clarifying orange juice and then fermenting it into like you know like mm. an orange beer. So like then that lasts a good long time because you're fermenting it. Um, strawberry juice again lasts a long time. A lot depends on refrigeration, what your initial load of yeast and mold is in it when you're making it. Um, you know the things that don't last are the things that just destroy themselves like lime juice destroys itself like uh lemon juice destroys itself whereas stuff like uh orange juice and grapefruit juice just like their quality is reduced over time by natural spoilage so it's a different kind of a it's a different kind of a of a situation you know what i'm saying um well how long would you use lime like how, from the time you squeeze it and clarify it how long would you that consider day. that to be good product that day but you make cordial okay. with it and now it lasts forever 
You know what I mean? Right. Like you make a cordial with that. So you, you, you do whatever you're going to do fresh, then you make a cordial with the rest of it. And then, you know, you can give that as a holiday gift for people because it's going to last forever. You know what I mean? Right. Which is what I would do because who the hell needs that much cordial? But, uh, you know, um, I was thinking of doing that at the bar and maybe Don and I'll do that at the, at the, at the next place. I don't know. Maybe we'll give cordial out to people, you know, as a, you know, thank you or whatever. I don't know, because we'll be able to make a boat ton of it. Cause whenever I have leftover clary lime, it's like, well, I'm going to do this. I don't want to throw it away because that's you're an enemy of quality. If you throw it away, so make a cordial, you know, um, yep. and I have a bunch of good cordial recipes. Now to your other question, look, Soda is roughly 10% sugar, okay? A 10 to 11% sugar in that range, the average soda, bricks. Now, uh, I drink seltzer water primarily. When I was a kid, I was a diet soda drinker. But remember, I was using soda as hydration, right? So I was drinking liters. Let me repeat this. I was drinking liters of this stuff every day. So if you were, if you're drinking liters of sugary beverage, that's just... It's just too much. You know what I mean? You can't do it, right? Which is why you either go seltzer or you go diet or whatever you're going to do. Uh, but, you know, you can't drink that much. You should not drink that much sugary beverage. And I'm not an anti-sugar guy. Now, first of all, okay, you have that. So you're looking at a 10%, 10 to 11% sugar by weight beverage. And, and, and if you're me, you're drinking a whole crap ton of it. When you're moving into alcoholic cocktails, remember, the average alcoholic cocktail is balanced so that it is as if that 10% product was then diluted with alcohol, right, and by a little bit of water from the ice. And so in actuality, carbonated cocktails have a lower sugar by a good chunk than, um, than sodas do. Anywhere between on the super dry side, like my gin and tonics are super, super dry, and they're on the order of like 4% sugar, 4.5% sugar. On the higher mm -hmm. side, like 7% sugar. So they're a lot drier. In fact, once you go drier than that, you need to rebody it by adding a little bit of glycerin. So the sugar is – you need the sugar and the sweetness there to provide some body and some fullness to the flavor. And if you don't have it, you need to add glycerin to rebody that stuff back up. But because ah. there's not nearly as much sugar in a cocktail as there is in a soda and because, God help you, if you drink as much cocktail as I was drinking diet soda or as much as, God forbid, I drink seltzer now. Nastasi, you seen me drink seltzer before? Yeah. What's it, look, what's it look like? Like an animal. It's disgusting. You can't even look at yeah. me, right? Like, like I can like – I'll have like – I'll, I'll drink like a quart in like in like what seconds, right? I mean, like it's crazy. And if you did that with with uh, you know cocktail, that would be very very bad. You know what I mean? Very very bad. And so like yeah. I, I'm a not because of the sugar, right? I'm a right. I mean, not because of the sugar. So like I, like my my feeling is is that keep the cocktails at like their quality level. Now, if I had grown up drinking cocktails full of Splenda, maybe I would like them better. You know what I mean? Like like I grew up drinking diet soda and so I don't mind it. I'm pretty sure that if I had never had a diet soda and someone handed me a diet soda right now, I'd be like, what the hell is that? You know what I mean? Because I'm sure I would hate it. But because I grew up, the same way with Stevia, if you train kids to like that garbage from a young age, <laughs> Maybe they will. I don't know. But to me, it's garbage. You know what I mean? I grew up drinking garbage. I grew up drinking saccharin, right? Saccharin is garbage. You know what I mean? When I taste saccharin now, I'm like, I used to drink that? You know You know what the last drink to have saccharin in it was? Anyone? Anyone? Test. Anyone? What's the last soda that contains saccharin? Peebles? Peebles? Tab. Tab? Tab. Uh, 
Diet tonic water, although Tab was quite late in it. Diet tonic water, because it has quinine anyway, the producers were like, look, who cares if it gives you cancer? Because you're not drinking that much of it anyway. No one's pounding it like a drink. You're going to drink it in a gin and tonic. And quinine's so bitter that we might as well keep the saccharin in it, and boom, it adds a little more bitterness to it. You see what I'm saying? Save me some money on the quinine. I think that's what they were saying. So diet tonic water was, in fact, uh, the, and I th- maybe you can still get it that way with saccharin in it, but it was one of the last drinks to still maintain uh, saccharin as its uh, artificial sweetener of choice. Anyways, my feelings on uh, artificial sweeteners. But you, if you're going to do it, you got to body it up. And people, if you're doing uh, low-sugar drinks in general and you're going to carbonate them and you don't want them to taste like some sort of vile-flavored water, uh, you got to add a little body to that crap. Now, the professionals don't use glycerin because they have other things to add as body- bodying agents, but the safest, cheapest, easiest thing that we have is glycerin. Huh? All right. Awesome. All right, cool. Good luck. Let us know how it works. Good luck with it. Thank you. All right. Got time for one more. Ah, oh, Jesus. Uh, okay. Uh, well, I'm going to read some of these things. Uh, Nastasia, what, what should I do? Should I do the, the, the query, the people who are writing in? I'll do some of these. Uh, these are some of the people that answered Nastasia's query about who are you. Uh, 34, 34 male, Pasadena, single and dating, have a Sears all, bought a spins all, looking forward to it. And if I ever do any events in L.A., we should, uh, we'd love to go see it. So that's Glenn. That's him writing in who he is. Female, 64, separated, can't buy a spins all yet because my ex spent all my money. Oh, snap. Now that, Brutal. that's a listener right Brutal. there. That's a listener right there. Peggy Maul. Love Dedicated. it. Hello, Nastasia. Male, 28, unmarried. First started reading the blog and listening to the show when I was 23. Since I'm emailing you, I'll also provide a topic for the new podcast, Food in the Bedroom. Edible underwear and whipped cream bikinis. That sounds like a terrible idea. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible idea. Yeah. That's the stuff that looks good in the movies, but is a nightmare in the real life. Also, how would you make a whole podcast about that? Well, you could do one. You right. could have everyone send in their, like, edible, their, like, kind of, like, racy food stuff. We could do in one of our not-family-show versions of it and then just, like, like talk about the, the – we could actually – you know what? Well, would, I have a really gross one. It, it would be funny to get them Save all in, the get some experts in here, and then actually review them as edibles. Like, like review them the way we would review actual food and or drink. Like, you know what I mean? Like, as well, whether it's... Like Rockstar say, Wine Day, but a lot less fun. All I'm going to say is that there, you could use natural fruits. You know, people have techniques. You can, you know, look on the YouTubes if you want. Uh, the last time I thought about this seriously was in the, in the 80s or 90s when uh, Tampopo came out. Remember mm. that movie? Great movie. Great movie. Uh, all right, I got two minutes. I'm 37. Uh, woman, black, and single, to be fair to Dave. Uh, I hate the taste. Uh, oh, no. I have the taste of middle-aged white men in music. Have or hate? Have. Have the taste of middle-aged white men in music, food, and all. So based on listening to the show for years uh, and interactions you've had with your audience, I agree with you that the persona of the average listener is a middle-aged white married man who loves kitchen gadgets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's Zoe. Zoe mm. writing in. Uh, I'm Ellie. I'm 25, female, single, graduate student at RISD. Go RISD. RISD, you know what you want to have to say about RISD students? They're some hard-working people, man. RISD students, I went years ago to a crit uh, at RISD, and I looked at the work they were doing, and I was like, if everyone in the country worked as hard as these people, we would be doing so well. Not like those lazy cow arts, like, you know, potheads. No, I've never been there. Not like those lazy weasels at Brown. I'm talking to you, Peter Kim. Um, <laughs> uh, BS in computer engineering. No offense, Brown. I eagerly await the arrival of my spins all. Uh, if you are not uh, already uh, so incensed as to stop reading, I have general questions. Uh, what goes on? Oh, what about making Slurpees carbonated? Is there hope for us at home with alcohol? And um, 
what is the oven toaster microwave you see everywhere now used as Subway for sandwiches, 7-Eleven for pizza, mozzarella, blah, 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 Ellie. Okay, so Ellie, uh, I have more that I can do next time. Um, I'll tell you about... I'll give you one more. 35, male married. The wife won't let me buy a $200 3D printer, let alone a centrifuge. Anthony to George. All right, back to this. Back to the carbonated. So uh, remember, you can only carbonate uh, liquids. You can't carbonate ice. And so what happens is, is that in a slushy, you have uh, still roughly somewhere like 30 to 40, 30, somewhere 30, 40% of the liquid is unfrozen. And that is what's carbonated. Because it's very cold and sugary, you can carbonate it to a fairly high level. But those machines are under pressure. The closest thing you can get is to overchill your product, like carbonate it to hell, overchill it until it is like slushy and keep overcarbonating as you go and then expel it out and you can get kind of a carbo slushy effect, but it's hard to get it exactly right. You've done that, right, Don? Mm -hmm. But if you hard freeze it, you are, as we say, S-O-L. All right, so we got all these questions we didn't get to about fermenting in Norway and, um, oh my God, so many questions. Oh, so many questions. Next time, cooking issues. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please... Join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.